This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. So I get a call on my SiriusXM radio show during one of our conversations about race, which is just about every day on SiriusXM Urban View. And they were like, you got to get this guy, Ibram Kendi, on your show. He wrote this book about the history of racism, and it's amazing. And I was like, you know what? I remember this name. And yes, as a matter of fact, Ibram X. Kendi has a new book coming out, so I'm definitely going to invite him on the show because I think that his book and his writing is amazing. And then my producer, Smiz, whispers in the headphones, um, Karen, we had him on in 2017. And I was like, what? How's that possible? How could I not forget? How could I forget that I had this man on? Well, he wasn't in the studio. So that's one thing. But I also have a really crappy memory. Thank goodness. The interview was dope. We were able to find it. So I've broken it into two parts. This is part one of my interview with Ibram X. Kendi, stamped from the beginning, the definitive history of racist ideas in America. It won the 2016 National Book Award for nonfiction. It was also a New York Times bestseller. And this podcast is brought to you by 100 coconuts the number 100 coconuts that's um, apparently how many coconuts are in one can but it's delicious it's the most amazing coconut water I've ever had you can taste it for yourself you don't even have to believe me go get a case when you go and check out use my code Karen K-A-R-E-N 100 the number 100 at 100 coconuts and you get 10% off your first case and every case after that all right Hope you enjoyed this interview. You know I love history, y'all. Y'all know it. Y'all know I love it because that's where the f- some facts are. Because history can be, history could be a, a damnable thing because it depends on who's writing it. You know, but I love getting to the nitty gritty and the people that do the work. And this man has actually done the work. Let me welcome to the show. He has a book called Stamped from the Beginning. It's a New York Times bestseller. Uh, he's also an award-winning historian at the University of F- Florida. Let me welcome to the show Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. Welcome. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. It's a pleasure. I mean, I'm not only admiring your passion, but more importantly, your intellect. Well, thank you, brother. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's tough in these streets when you're faced, facing such ignorance. You oh, know? Yeah. And it's and, and and I'm sorry, I have no tolerance for it. So yeah, now I'm gonna I'm going to uh, be warm and hot all 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 the way through because you know there's a lot at stake here and I'm grateful that you did this book because I've I've been uh touting a bunch of history books that really get to the brass tacks of how we got here as a nation and how propaganda has shaped how many of us treat one another and how we treat ourselves and uh stamped from the beginning as I was digging into it I was like wow you know I often talk about Phyllis Wheatley but my goodness there were so many literary and li- you know um writings that just decimated black culture from the beginning thank you for what inspired you to do this book first of all well i felt like it was needed you know and i started writing the book around the time trayvon martin was was assassinated and we started of course protesting you know for um justice and you know i sort of and and so every you know week of course every day there was another incident and you know, I, I I was able to sort of reckon the ways in which, as you stated, propaganda had made people believe that that the people who were being shot and killed by the police that it was their fault, that it's it's there's something wrong and inferior about black people, and that's why racial disparities are existing and persisting. And you know, I wanted to sort of show the origins, you know, of these ideas, and I also wanted to show that there's nothing wrong and inferior about black people, but there's everything wrong and inferior about racist policies 
and politicians like Donald Trump who are championing them. So give us a, a couple of discoveries in, in your journey uh, to write Stamp from the beginning. What was the first aha moment or fact that, that jumped out that you were like, whoa, I didn't know this and everyone needs to know this? Well, I think the first is we've been taught this history that ignorance and hate is what's really behind racist ideas. You know, these people are just ignorant and hateful. That's why they're saying those racist things. We've also been taught that it's these people who have these racist ideas are the people who institute racist policies like slavery or even today voter restriction policies. And, and I found through studying the motives behind the people who are creating racist ideas, whether it's the corrupt black voter today or the corrupt black politician in the 1870s, that what was actually happening is they were seeking to justify their existing policies. And those policies were typically, typically, typically benefiting them. So actually self-interest was causing racist policies. And then racist ideas was the propaganda and has, still is the propaganda of, of racist policies. And then the circulation of these, pol- these ideas is what's actually leading us to be ignorant and hateful. So um, we're talking with Dr. Uh, Kendi, Dr. Abram X. Kendi. His book is called Stamp from the Beginning. So so when we talk about Phyllis Wheatley, for for example, writing about a dark continent, and you, you chronicle several uh, points in literature in the 1500s and, and even before that, where they depict Africa as this uh, place because it's hot, people are over-sexualized, they're basically monkeys without tails, they, you know, they, they sleep with beasts. All of these narratives can came forth through literature with the express purpose to demonize a group of people on a continent that was being exploited throughout the world by different people, different countries, divvying it up from Belgium to England to America, etc. How, how did that happen? And, and why was there no combat? You know, because we know Africa is the birthplace of civilization. How did it turn into this this place of, uh, you know, bestiality and, and you know, evil? Well, I mean, the original slave traders in Portugal, uh, in England, in France, in Holland, uh, they did not want to admit that they basically were were marching themselves and marching uh, their allies into the heart of Africa to enslave people and, and trade them across the Atlantic to make money. Instead, they, they made this case that these people were uncivil, that these people were beasts, that these people needed to... Uh, be Christianized, that these people were just inferior, and that they were actually helping these people. That was the case that they made before the Pope. That was the case they made before their public. And that's the case that they made, you know, to continue to sort of do this. And so those ideas started to pass on through time, and people started to actually believe them, even though many of these slave traders knew themselves that the African people they were encountering were just as civilized as they were. So the Moor is written about by Shakespeare. <laughs> you know, it's like there's <laughs> literature that actually, you know, talks about people from that continent. That just doesn't even come into the equation when having a discussion. And, and I think what happens is you have very powerful people with very powerful interests. And, you know, there's so much self-interest in talking about black people as inferior because there were, there were so many people who were making money off them. And that, so the truth, you know, therefore, you know, there's really no benefit in telling the truth of, 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 
of equal humanity, especially when you're creating and you're profiting from this system that is founded on this idea that, that people are unequal. So where, where did you go to find your, because I'm, I'm challenging our listeners this year to, to click the next, you know, link. Like, let, don't just stop with a headline. Let's dig into it. Um, in your journey uh, to write this book, where did it lead you? Where, what kinds of books did you pick up to, to uncover the motives and, and where can people go to get more, you know, more insight into the, the willful propaganda that started way before birth of a nation, the book, by, uh, excuse me, not the book, the birth of a nation, the, the film by D D W Griffith. Oh yeah. Well, I, I would, I would certainly suggest, you know, not only people reading stamp from the beginning, but like most books, you know, it has, footnotes. And so like if you're interested in a particular figure or even a particular text that I sort of write about, you know, I, I encourage people to go read that book, go watch that film, go read that article, even go read that secondary that 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 book that was written on that on that person. There's been a lot of research done on the history of racist ideas, and so I was able to sort of bring a lot of that together. And so it provides, you know, it can provide your listeners with sort of an entryway into many of these different ideas. I mean, really anything you can sort of think of. I mean, I even sort of uncovered the first major American thinker, this guy by the name of Samuel Stanhope Smith, who tried to make the case that lighter-skinned uh, blacks were superior to darker-skinned blacks. And this was a Princeton theologian in the late 1700s. And so, you know, there's so many ideas that carry on to this day that I was trying to sort of un uncover their roots in this book. We're talking with uh, Dr. Ibram Kendi. His book is called Stamp from the Beginning. And, you know, um, well, how eugenics started at Harvard, you know, the notion of a, a white superior, blonde hair, blue eyed Aryan race of, you know, that there was a superior race to begin with. The the mm -hmm. All of those examinations of people's skull sizes and, you know, <laughs> even coming up with the racial designations, all of that was made up by people to, um, cover up for their evil to cover up for you know the things that they were doing that they knew were immoral uh you always have to justify your immorality i guess in some way right precisely and i mean we can sort of break it down in the most simplest ways i mean you know throughout the course of american history there has been racial inequality whether it's white freedom and black slavery or that 40 percent of the incarcerated population in this country right now is black or black people are five times more likely to be killed by the police. So then the question becomes, why does this racial inequality exist? And you've had a certain segment of people, anti-racist, who have stated it's racial discrimination. But then another group refuses to believe that and instead continues to figure out ways in which black people are inferior. So whether it's eugenics, whether it's you know measuring skull sizes, whether it's now people trying to figure out, quote, inferior genes, in African ancestry, you know, they've been just doing this for a very long oh time. God. They have never been able to find, uh, succeed in finding a, a scientific way to prove black inferiority, but they've been trying for hundreds of years. Okay, so it, it is a fact that all humanity started in Africa. That's a fact, right? It's immutable. Yeah. It's proven. It's a fact that every single human being can be traced back to one person that, that was in Africa. Correct. So if, if that's the case, how how do we have any other kind of conversation if we're all if we're all I mean, literally, and this is why, you know, my, my move is like, you know, race is a made up construct. 
We all started yeah. in Africa. Uh, so if we can agree to that, how do we get people to, to agree to that fact that everybody has an African descendant? So actually, so it wasn't really until maybe 50, 60 years ago that that the European world, to a large extent, uh, began to accept that fact. Really, some would argue in, in the late 18, 1800s. Before that, people believed that the Garden of Eden um, was in Europe and that Adam and Eve were white and that Adam and Eve sort of ventured into Africa and were blackened by the sun. Now what they believe is, yes, Africa, you know, the original humans uh, were, were African and those original Africans came from apes. But what happened is when, when people got to Europe, they evolved. And so, yes, wait, the, wait, sort of the wait, primitive wait, wait, doctor. Wait, doctor. Hold on, Dr. Ibram. And again, this is just me reading, and I'm not a, a oh, historian, yeah. even though I, I play one on the radio. I was I read that in France, right, they put lipstick on because of the poor hygiene, right? They, were, <clears throat> they weren't bathing frequently, but Africa had aqueducts, and they had bathing. They even were the first to do autopsies, and they, you know, the way they entombed and embalmed people in ancient Egypt, like thousands of years ago, people were still preserved. Like they were beyond, you know, progressive in terms of, uh, you know, dental hygiene, medical, you know, uh, medical advances. So how do you how do you argue evolution when you can't duplicate what was done in Egypt thousands of years ago? And and that's that's what's appalling to me. I mean, I completely agree and. But I think racist ideas were never really made made to make sense. Uh, they were they were never made to be truthful. They were made so people could believe them. And because right? and, because and, because the goal is to keep as many people ignorant as possible, you can push that out. It was it was interesting. There was um Robert Wall, the actor, does uh does a great video on history. He does uh, and I use it in my class often. And he talks about Paul Revere and all of the historical figures. You know, like. Uh, the authors made Christopher Columbus into a rock star when he really wasn't. So it was yeah. a fictional story about Christopher Columbus that then became our narrative that he sailed the ocean blue and to discover America and all this other stuff. And with Paul Revere, Paul Revere wasn't the one that told the people that the British were coming. It was a guy named Israel Bissell, but it didn't rhyme well. So it didn't, it didn't fit in the flow and the metrics and the iambic pentameter or whatever he was trying to accomplish. Paul Revere worked for the narrative, right? And so throughout history, we have writers and I'm one, you're one, taking liberty with truth and making it into something that's sexy to sell. That's been done since the dawn where, where people could disseminate uh, information. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's part of the issue is, you know, you, you, you know, just like the White House press, press secretary who says he has the ability to disagree with facts. Well, I mean, you know, it's in his agenda to disagree with facts, you know, because the fact of the matter is that there is no voter, as you were stating earlier, there is no, you know, voter fraud problem. But you have to create a problem in order to justify voter restriction policies, which, of course, were decisive in electing Trump and the Republican Congress. Like you just you have to create some sort of justification for it. And then the justifications that are effective if people believe them. Because it makes, oh, yeah, of course, you know, people can just go up there and, you know, sign their name and 
you know, of course they should have voter ID laws. So it's so believable for people and people can't understand or even see the truth that this is not a problem and that it's actually discriminating and disenfranchising people. It's so believable, just like every other racist idea in history.